You guys never fall for peer pressure? I, I, I get peer pressured into watching absolutely everything. By who? Except for Shit's Creek so far. Who? By the world and the oh, internet. I, I thought you were going to say yeah, your me children. Too. Welcome back to another episode of Pajiba, the Pajiba Television Podcast. I'm Pajiba contributor Dan Hamamura, and with me, as always, are deputy editor Tori Preston. Yo, what's up? And Pajiba boss man Dustin Rolls. Hello. <laughs> but this week, we're also joined by a special guest, Pajiba contributor Roxana Haddadi. Yes, yes. Hello. Welcome. <laughs> Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's good to have you. Uh, Roxanne is here to talk about succession as our resident, resident succession expert. Um, also, she's just here to class uh, up the joint. And, yeah, Aww. I mean, it's Basically. really, that was, we... That was misguided. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this could be a disaster, but we tried. <laughs> right. We made a valiant effort. We needed someone else to really wrangle in Dustin. Mm. Um, That's right. Because he just goes off. Uh, <laughs> this week on the show, uh, obviously, we're going to talk about this past week in television. Uh, we're going to talk about Succession and that season finale, uh, where we think it might go. Uh, and uh, we'll play a game, which is also Succession-themed. We'll, we'll get th- to all of that in a moment. But first, what's everyone drinking? Pour it, Roxana. I want to hear it. Oh. I guess. <laughs> Oh, well, I can't. All right. I can't really pour it, but I can <laughs> describe. <laughs> I no, can do a shot of it. <laughs> no, I can describe the artwork on the can. There's artwork on the can. It is, is, it, it, is, is it, it is forest green and it has a picture of a duck, a coyote, a woman and a gigantic egg. That sounds like canned wine. Hmm. <laughs> In my expert opinion. Does it? <laughs> I hope all of those things. Is it a canned margarita? It is. Any other guesses? Any other valiant I, guesses? Uh, uh, the only thing I can think of are those, what's that thing that's really popular now, like that white, white claw? Is that oh, what it's called? the mm-hmm. hard seltzer? The sel- hard seltzer, yeah. I would love for it to be white claw so I could be hip, but it is not. <laughs> It is Book of Nomad. Okay, so full disclosure, they're this cider brand, and I just started buying them because the artwork is really cool, <laughs> and that's how I buy alcohol. <laughs> totally fair. <laughs> right. Um, and it is a coconut, chocolate, honey oh, cider. God. Oh. Ad- Ad- Adam took a sip and almost threw it on the floor. Yes. Oh. I'd literally so rather terrible. it had an egg in it. Like, if all the things on the label were in it, it would be more tasty. Guys, I kind of love it. It's oh. so bad that it's gone full circle back to being And I'm assuming good. it is a hard cider. Like, you're not just, okay, yes. at least you're getting drunk. Yeah, it's 7%. That's, so that's, that's respectable. Not nothing. It right, sounds like something yeah. they make you drink in the cafeteria when they mix everything together and they pay you a dollar to drink it all. Well, that didn't happen to me because I was very bullied in school. So nobody huh. paid me to drink gross stuff. <laughs> but thank you for the trauma, Dustin. <laughs> <just made> it <laughs> happen. 
<laughs> yeah, they just made it happen. They were like, you're really <laughs> weird. A prank, so. <laughs> not a dare. Right, exactly. But that's what's going on here. Some weird cider concoction. Jeez. Excellent. Tori, what I are you doing? I have the, uh, a very delightful, mediocre Lambrusco. Which, uh, well, by Lambrusco standards, which is always, I mean, the best it can achieve is mediocre. So a mediocre version of it is, it's not great, but it's fine. It was like five bucks at Trader Joe's. So, um, I have a vintage 2018, uh, California Chardonnay that I bought for Yom Kippur. It cost $14.99 cause it was a holiday. <laughs> so I splurged. <laughs> it's called Harkin. I don't know what that means. <laughs> Filling the big bucks. That's right. Did you say Harkin? Harkin. Okay. With an H. Yeah. All right. And an Arkin. Well, I was thinking Arkin, like uh, maybe it's it's, uh, TV's Alan Arkin and Adam Arkin created their own winery. That would be be awesome. I don't think that's what it is. It's barrel fermented Chardonnay, whatever that means. Are they not typically? Dan? (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) Uh, what you got, I'm, Dan? I'm drinking, uh, what am I drinking? I've forgotten. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, I'm drinking, uh, <laughs> I haven't had that It's much. right in front of you, Dan. <laughs> right, but not the bottle. The bottle is like way, way over, oh. away. Uh, I'm drinking W.L. Weller Special Reserve, which is their cheap one, but it's hard to get Weller in L.A. because they're in Kentucky, and like as, it, as the truck goes westward, more and more of it disappears. <laughs> um, but it, not like it's stolen, just like, it, I don't know, they don't sell it out here that often. Yeah. Bandits. <laughs> yeah. That's the version of the story that's in bourbon, my head Bourbon, bourbon bandits. Um, <laughs> no, Weller is, uh, I don't remember which company owns it, but it's the same base stock as uh, Pappy Van Winkle. Yeah. Yep. So, oh. um, so Weller is like the cheap version of it, but it's still pretty good. So. It's the same like mash bill. It's yeah. just aged differently and like put in and different not barrels. As long and, yeah. yeah, so it's like magic when you find it. Oh my god, you know all about this too. This is insane. Sort of. I I, it's I know about Pappy of... from Criminal Podcasts, and that's it. <laughs> I mean, really, you know about it from Justified because like they yeah, just well, have okay, Pappy yeah. on oh, Justified. Yeah. yeah, it's wild. So um, wait, Roxana knows all about delicious, delicious bourbon. And she's choosing to drink (laughs) coconut vomit. Vomit in a can. (laughs) Um, I'm making the hard choices for (laughs) For hard cider. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't understand what the problem is. Did I I not describe correctly that there is a coyote taking a nap on this artwork? (laughs) Very important. Did the coyote have a drink of it first? Are you sure it's not dead? I wow, Tori. <laughs> I don't. We'll see. We'll see how I hold up. We'll see how this goes. That label tells a different story based on your perspective on the world. Right. It right? could be very mm. dark, mm-hmm. or like, oh, look at all these animals and this woman coming together in harmony. And normally, I would go for the chaotic solution, but for some reason, I'm going for the nice one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna take a sip now. 
As and while she's sip- take- sipping, why don't oh, we God. switch to Letterkenny, Dan? You fucked up my, my transition. Did I, did I mess up your stepped transition? On my, you, I, stepped I, on I mean, technically, I'm, I'm supposed to be the host of this podcast, and I don't want to feel like, you know. Guys, we have a uh, guest. Can we not yeah. do this in I'm front sorry. of her? I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Just save it for later. This for later. I, I, I will not be disrespected in front of our guest. Okay, no, <laughs> This is really My taking apologies. me back. This is taking me back to some family dinners, you guys. A mess. Well, sorry, Roxana probably will never come back to the podcast, but I will take my cider and I will leave. Uh, yeah, so this week, uh, obviously, like every week, there is, uh, I believe, the official measurement is a fuck ton of new television coming out. Um, for me, the shows that the show I was most excited about uh, releasing this week came out yesterday. It's Letterkenny, which is on Hulu. Um, if you've never seen it, it's a Canadian sitcom. Uh, it's set in a small town called Letterkenny, which is filled, which is uh, the population is five thousand people. It's mostly uh, farmers, drug <laughs> uh, druggies who call themselves skids, uh, religious people, and hockey players. <laughs> And they basically do nothing every episode. Like, it's 90% wordplay and just them firing jokes at each other. Uh, and it's great. And they're on season seven, but their seasons are only six episodes a season, so they're only into, like, episode 40-something. Um, yeah. So. I still haven't seen Letterkenny, but I will say this. <laughs> Not that many people watch Letterkenny, but the people that do watch Letterkenny, you know they've seen Letterkenny because they will tell you about it. Right. Frequently, mm-hmm. they will gasp when they find that you haven't watched it. <laughs> How dare you! How long does it take them, kind of between seasons? Is is it one of those shows where you have to wait a really long time, or do they kind of come out it's, pretty regularly? It's hard to know because it. So it's a Canadian show that was. It started as a web series called Letterkenny Problems, which was just. Um, it was the, the creator and. Uh, whose name's Jared Kiso, and he's also the, the lead. Uh, it was him and a bunch of his friends doing kind of like, basically just doing wordplay, but they did, um, instead of it being actual scenes, it was just a ton of wordplay. So it was kind of like what became the show's cold opens. Like they've, they've kind of turned that web series thing into uh, how they start the oh, show. Gotcha. But um, they got picked up by a, an on, uh, a Canadian streaming service called Crave, I think about three years ago. And uh, and so they were doing they were doing kind of like seasons, but their seasons were probably about six months apart. So they would do kind of two six episode right. seasons a year. Um, but now uh, I think so. Oh, sorry. So when it came to the U.S., they dropped kind of like all. I think they dropped the first two or three seasons at once, and then the other three shortly thereafter. So by the time most people in America discovered it, including myself, there were six seasons. So. Um, so there was a lot of material already there. Um, I think their schedule's about six episodes every six months, but we'll see if they stick to that, because I don't know. Um, this is their first season that they're officially a Hulu show and not just, like, an acquisition. Right. Um, so I don't know if that changes yeah. anything. But Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. But is there it's, a shorthand between Letterkenny fans? Do you all just know uh, each other? There, there are definitely my friends who watch it, uh, we have definitely just thrown lines at each other, and the other person recognizes the line, and then we'll respond in kind. Oh. So, <laughs> so the most the most normal one is 
the uh, the the farmers, the or the main farmer, his the, their kind of like basic pattern is when uh, he sees another farmer, he says, "How are you now?" And then that guy says, "Good and you?" And then he responds, "Well, not so bad." And then that then and they get into whatever. Um, and so so if you say "How are you now?" to someone and they've watched Letterkenny, then they'll say, "Good and you." Ah, um, so so. So hanging out with you and your friends is a lot like not watching Succession and going on Twitter. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, was, I was just going to say it sounds really nice. <laughs> like if you didn't know the show, you'd it's, just think Dan and his friends were incredibly polite and a, a little rustic. Incredibly <laughs> thoughtful. Yeah. Right. Very except, except thoughtful. The other part of the show is that when they're not... Uh, cracking jokes at each other every once in a while, not every episode, but maybe once every three or four episodes, there's just a big fight. Like, it's not, it's not like nobody gets killed, but <laughs> it's like a, it's like a brawl. And then the brawl is set to some kind of music and then in slow motion. So you just see people wailing on each other for like 90 seconds. Um, do your friends also yeah. do that? We haven't, we haven't done that part in person, but uh, maybe, maybe that's the, the evolution of our friendship. Yeah. I don't know. That's the next step. It's yeah. a warrior style showdown. <laughs> Obviously. I will say I Adam watches Letterkenny pretty regularly. I've only mm-hmm. watched a little bit. But the one episode that I do remember that I liked was that it had an abortion subplot. But I don't even think you could call it a subplot because it was just very effectively like a female character had an abortion she and the guy she was sleeping with talked about it. It was super low key. He was like, that's fine. She was like, obviously it's fine. It's my body. And that was it. It was done. Mm-hmm. It was yeah. just like the moving conversation of the episode. It wasn't a thing. And I appreciated the brusqueness and kind of matter of factness with which they wrote that. <laughs> nice. All right. Maybe I'll take it. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of episodes there. It's very easy to just kind of sit there and look up six hours later and you've watched three seasons of Mother Kenny. Uh, oh, not for kids. No, right. fair enough. I mean, it's not, it's not that bad, but there, it's there's, not big there's mouth. some, but there's some swearing. It's not big mouth. Which we've already um, said is approved for children. Right. You know. Yes. Uh, oh, although, although Dustin, to follow up on what we were talking about last week about, uh, whether or not you should show big mouth to, uh, your, 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 uh, tween. Um, I asked my sister this weekend because I saw them whether or not she'd heard of Big Mouth and whether she was going to show it to my nephew who is 12. Um, And she hadn't heard of Big Mouth and I described it to her and she said, oh, that sounds really fun. And then I I hesitated for a moment because I was like, I don't know, should I say the next part? And I said like, no, but it's really filthy. (laughs) And she said, oh, okay. Uh, We'll see. But I, for a moment, I thought maybe I would just stop and like there. let her let her just <laughs> like turn it on with her kid. Let her let her show it to him, and uh, he would probably have a lot of questions. Really start a conversation. <laughs> the yeah. hard way. I would get a very angry. Do text. all vaginas sing? <laughs> yes, dear, they do. <laughs> really, no lose, no lose, lose, only yeah. win win. Um, that so yeah, Letterkenny was the show that I was the most excited about. Although I did want to briefly touch on Lodge Forty Nine, which I don't know if any do any of you watch that show or know about. That I show. am a couple of episodes behind, but I have been watching it. Okay, Tori, Roxana, I keep no. meaning to watch it. <laughs> <laughs> Put it on the list. Is um, it a cartoon? List. Okay, 
It is Damn not it. a cartoon. Um, <laughs> but, but Paul Giamatti is uh, in it. Paul Fair. Giamatti is in it this season. Uh, very briefly, Lodge 49, it's, a, it's an AMC show. Uh, it's an AMC drama set in Long Beach. Uh, it's it it starts so this was the they just had their second season finale this year uh, or uh, this weekend sorry Sunday um, no Monday um, and it's it's set in Long Beach it follows uh, this guy named Dud who's played by Wyatt Russell which is Kurt Russell and Goldie Hawn's daughter oh, son, sorry <laughs> uh, uh, and he he's kind of like a slacker uh, good natured goofy. Um, he can just, he's kind of like a like the dude from uh, Big Lebowski if he was like a thirty year old surfer, um, but he he's kind of like coming off of his dad died the year before, uh, they lost their father's business. He has a twin sister, um, and he's been he was bitten by a snake, which that snake bite isn't healing, so he hasn't surfed basically since he was bitten, um, and he like from a plot standpoint. He finds this lodge, which is like a Elks Lodge, like that kind of place, um, and it kind of revitalizes his life. And he he kind of like starts to believe in kind of the magic of it, even though you know it's fundamentally like a lodge that's for um, you know people to hang out and drink beer and find a little community. Um, but the larger show is just about kind of like the way that these people these people are all all the characters are these people who are kind of struggling. Most of them are in their 40s and 50s, and, like, life quite ha- hasn't quite turned out the way that they thought. Uh, and so they're all a little bit sad in their own way. Um, but this lodge kind of brings them together, and, um, and it's just about them kind of trying to, kind of trying to survive in, like, basic human ways. Um, and then wrapped around that is that there's a little bit of magic in this lodge. Like, there's, there is some magic in this world, even though it's otherwise, you know, super grounded. Um, and it's just a really, it's a really, uh, what's the way to put it? It's just a really, I, to me, it's beautiful and optimistic. Uh, and it's not, even though it shows people who are kind of struggling, it's not a cynical show. Um, and uh, a lot of that has to do with uh, Wyatt Russell and the way he plays his character. Because his character is super optimistic, even though, like, bad things are constantly happening to him. Is his, and, is his uh, snake bite okay? <laughs> I'm like I'm like you're what the show you described sounds amazing, but I'm also yeah. really concerned about his snake bite now. <laughs> his snake bite uh, eventually it, it's very slow, but yes, it does improve. Um, but uh, in uh, but yeah, in general, it's it's just a and their their season finale. Uh, they're not they haven't announced yet whether or not they've been picked up for a third season. I don't think they know, um, but. The the season finale just had some like really great moments of, um, I just like some of the best character work and some of the best like two person scenes I've seen in a long time where there's like a lot of heartfelt emotion and like uh, uh, White Russell and Brent Jennings who who plays kind of like his uh, his mentor and kind of like a father figure um, have they have like this beautiful scene like two thirds of the way through where. Uh, uh, White Russell's character is talking about just how, over the last two seasons, he's found all he's made all these new friends and like found all this, uh, all these new like a new purpose for his life and all these great things have happened. But all of it's tied to, like none of it would have happened if his dad didn't hadn't died. So yeah. it's tied to like it, like his happiness is also tied to the sadness, and it's just a really, uh, it's just a really. I don't know, it's just a beautiful, uh, beautiful scene and, like, the way that it plays out and the way that they, like, like the show. It's one of those shows that truly loves its characters. 
um, even when they're shitty. Like they're not they're not assholes. Like they're they're being selfish or they're being you know shitty in that moment, but they're trying their best. You know, they have a reason for what they're doing. Um, and uh, I don't know. And nobody watches it, so I just feel like uh, more people should watch it. And then it'll come back. I think. I yeah, think hopefully. Tori asked because she was planning a. 911. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I'm very. Well, no, it's just 911 has been not as crazy lately. So I heard snake bite and I'm like, ooh. <laughs> it's not, it's Tell never played. More. Unfortunately, it's never played in the 911 fashion mm. where it's su- such a big deal. Um, it's just kind of a thing that happened to him and he's just like, oh yeah, that hasn't healed yet. That's weird. I would um, be more concerned. But- <laughs> but that's the thing is that is that is that Dud is not uh, that's not his, that's a, his not way. His, He's so very... did they name him Dud as a direct reference to the dude? Oh. Like just drop the e and like Maybe. let it ride. I mean his well his his name is their last name is Dudley, I think, yeah. if I'm remembering correctly. But I mean <laughs> if it was uh, if if that was uh, on purpose, I wouldn't be surprised because it, it it's one of those shows that also feels very much like even when you don't know what's going on, you feel like you're in the hands of someone who knows where you're going. Yeah. So you kind of trust it like, well, they've made this choice for a reason. Excellent. Um, well, now I'm excited to check it out. Yeah. And mm. and the whole cast is great. The first season's on Hulu. The second season just finished on AMC. Uh, and I think uh, more people should watch. I do feel like AMC... Is very hit or miss. They've like, I, I, like obviously they had Breaking Bad, and Breaking Bad was huge. And I feel like the first season of The Terror was kind of a cult fascination, but the second season doesn't have nearly that amount of interest. And mm-hmm. it's just very interesting to watch what clicks on AMC and what yeah. doesn't. I f- yeah, I feel like they're just going to be the Walking Dead network going forward. Yeah, yeah. It's I mean, I I got totally obsessed with Into the Badlands, but part of that obsession was just that like they. I I didn't watch it until it was airing. Like, it literally had just aired its finale. (laughs) And I was like, I should catch up on this. And then I'm like, oh, it's over? Wait, you know? But they spent so much money, and then just it tailed off. You know? And Mm -hmm. there are reasons why I can imagine it didn't quite get... it It was a flawed show, but I also really enjoyed it. And it's... Not like The Walking Dead is without its flaws. <laughs> I tried to watch this week's episode, Correct. and I hadn't seen a season. I hadn't seen any episodes in probably like six years, and it was my TV. Oh, so you just got alpha and beta. Yeah, so like my TV was just tuned into AMC, and it rolled yeah. into the into The Walking Dead, and and I was just like, why are they? Why do they have shields? Why are they doing this whole soldier thing on the beach? Why are they wearing um. zombie skins? Um, so it was anyway. a weird episode to come in on. Yeah. But at this point, with the new Walking Dead series starting in the spring, there's 48 weeks of The Walking Dead on AMC, and they're still looking at additional series. And they still have movies coming, theoretically. Yeah, well, those are going to be feature films. Well, yeah, actually. but... Oh, those are going to be, what? you know, in the theater. <laughs> right, but, but yes. Really? Yes. Okay. Okay. All but right. when you say feature, I mean, is that... They're going to be theatrical. They're, they're, yeah. they're gonna... In the theater. Wait, Dustin, I had a question for you while I was if watching Downton it. Abbey can make $80 million. I don't oh, know why... God. It did? Um, I don't know why... Yes. So... Oh, my God. If Rick is yes. not dead, he's getting a movie. Yes. Why is his daughter not with him? Well... 
Oh no! Oh god! Because <laughs> she was on the beach wearing his or his then yeah, Carl's yeah. hat. Everybody thought that Rick Grimes died on the show, but in reality, he got blown up. But then a helicopter came and picked him up and flew him away. <laughs> Sorry, but nobody saw the helicopter. <laughs> Right. So he he was like recruited for like the new society, kidnapped, recruited. Yeah, well, yeah. it's unclear exactly where he's going, but it was a surreptitious uh, helicopter. Yes, apparently <laughs> <laughs> in the apocalypse. Yes. Thank you. Mm. Uh, wow. And people will say people will pay to see that in the theater. <laughs> they will. Uh, the theater. Well, uh, speaking of the undead, guess what show came back? I don't know, Terry. What? Tell God us. God damn it! Just play along. Supernatural. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes. Um, Was that a transition? Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's how that works. Um, I, I don't want to pat like myself that. on the shoulder too much, but I also <laughs> am. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that thank was great. You. I just really wanted to like everyone was talking about good shows, so I just wanted to like really drive the quality of our conversation into the ground. Right now, we're going to talk about the, the yeah, greatest, the greatest show, show. <laughs> uh, <laughs> winner of all of the Emmys. Uh, you just didn't see them. So Supernatural came back, and it's the last season, and I'm very excited. And what they did was. I was a little worried going into the season, like how they were going to do it, because it's very much like they realize that the only people watching are the fans who have been with them the whole time. So it was clear from the premiere that they're doing full on fan service. (laughs) Like They're going to be it's all just callbacks and stuff for the fans. And it seems really lovely. Uh, They brought back uh, the thing this season is they're fighting all of the ghosts of every, like they, over the previous 14 seasons, they killed all these, you know, monsters and ghosts and stuff like that. And presumably all of those spirits went to hell and then God just released all the spirits back to earth. So now they have to kill everyone that they've already killed, including like, most of it's like folklore, so it's like the woman in white and Bloody Mary and all this stuff. But yeah. then it's like John Wayne Gacy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, like, and by the way, like that is not done with like a wink and a nod. It's just, it, it's just, it's like as normal as any of the other ghosts. And like nobody comments on the fact that like that's a little bit fucked up. Uh, right. So that's happening, and I've heard. Like just reading, following their like social media and stuff. There's there's some, I think guest stars coming up in the future that uh, will be basically characters from previous seasons. Uh, especially, I think if I read it correctly, uh, the dude who played their brother, who is who like fell into a plot hole like ten years ago and hasn't been seen since. He's been like locked up in hell. So okay, wait, hang on, hang on. Sorry, yeah. before you go on, uh, what do you mean has been? Uh, they, so first, they have another yes. brother. Okay, yeah. that's amazing. Uh, is his name Larry he's Hemsworth? Been a, <laughs> no. He's been locked in a plot hole? Yeah, he hole. fell into a plot hole. I mean, he... What I mean is, he ended up in hell, and they, like, as much as, like, Sam and Dean will always, like, fight to save each other, they, they just, this kid, <laughs> they fucking left. So they found out, like, way late that, like, their dad fucked around and, like, had another kid. Um 
And then it was like the writers were like, I mean, they're not going to actually have a third brother. It's like that ruins the balance of the show, obviously. So they <laughs> obviously <laughs> so like, he yeah. was there for a couple episodes and like he went away. Um, so and they no, brother chucked him, they, but they're yeah. bringing him back. Well, I think because it's been a running gag in the show that like periodically ah. they mention like, like we all know that you have a brother. <laughs> like, why haven't you done anything about that? So I, I think that actor will be coming back and hopefully they'll, if not resolve it, <laughs> somehow nod to it. Maybe he got released from it seemed hell. Like, it seems like he should be really pissed off about like being left. Yeah. In yeah. <laughs> you should. And it's not what it like. That's the thing. If they had just like, moved on and never acknowledged it. It would be something that like the heart, like fans might talk about, but the show has straight up like mentioned <laughs> that like, yes, we're aware this is a plot hole. <laughs> like right. um, it's because the show winks and nods and everything. So um, this is a silly question and I might be confusing it with another show, but was there <laughs> ever a Duke boy on the show? Are you talking well, about I, the either- Dukes of Hazard? Yes, was there, was John Schneider or Tom Wolpat ever on the show? <laughs> I don't. As a dad? I, I don't think so. Maybe. No. All right, I'm confusing. You. All right. Isn't there it's dad? Negan? Negan? Yeah. Oh, all yeah. Right. All right. All right. You know this. I've yeah. told you this so no, many times. No, I know times. the dad. No, no. I thought I maybe also... he was somebody else's dad. I don't know. I just felt like John Schneider or Tom Wolpat was on the show. I don't know. No, it was Jeffrey Dean Morgan. No, but and then slash the comedian, and he and neither those guys don't play Bobby either. So yeah, uh, sorry. <laughs> so as as a as a resident uh, supernatural uh, expert, how do you feel about them doing kind of like a victory lappy uh, finale? Uh, final season. Oh yeah, yeah, go for it. Like whatever. That, that like they literally they do whatever they want anyway, <laughs> and it's always for the fans. So I have no problem with this. Like. Mm-hmm. It's going to be it's going to be super victory lappy. Um, Mm -hmm. And yeah, it's it's just going to be for the fans. And I'm totally fine with that. I mean, I've watched all the rest of it anyway. Like what? I'm going to stop now. (laughs) Like. Mm -hmm. And is is there anyone in particular that you would want to see come back or or maybe that you predict would come back other than the, uh, so the brother? So I think the brother will come back. I'm sure Chuck will be back, the character who they, you find out is God. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure he'll be back at some point, hopefully. <laughs> Thank yeah. you for explaining. Uh, but the person, and I don't think this will happen. This is one that I, I don't think that I for reasons, I don't think it'll happen, but I do, if they were to pull it off, it would be the biggest hat trick, which is if they got um, Mark Shepard to come back as Crowley, because like all the characters have died and come back multiple times, and he did as well. And then a couple seasons ago, it was like, they, and I don't even, I can't even remember, I, he may not have even really been killed off, but it was just sort of like he was off the show fully. Like there was, they came up with a concept where he couldn't come back. Um, and in an ideal world, if they're going to be nodding to everything else over the whole course of Supernatural, like I would hope they bring him back for some reason, especially if they could give him hell again, like revive him at the end, let him rule hell, give it to him. So that would be my biggest. It'd be really cool if they brought back the Duke boy. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let him rule hell. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I like your version of this show, Dustin. Um, maybe you should start watching. <laughs> maybe. You watch all 14 seasons Dust. and prove me wrong. Like, he was in season three, episode so 16. Bo Duke, motherfuckers. <laughs> You're just thinking because they have classic Dear cars. God. Maybe, yeah, maybe. That's that might be part of it. Uh, speaking of fan servicey seasons and classic cars, uh, let's talk about El Camino, uh, the Breaking Bad movie. How's that for a transition? That was Being very well assertive, well. Dustin, <laughs> calling me out. Um, I really want to hear what uh, Roxana Camino, thinks about this because I, I, I don't yeah, know. El Camino came out this this oh, uh, this past I, week. Oh, oh really? Okay. Um. <laughs> that 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 sounded like how I feel. I, ha- I, I honestly have very mixed thoughts. So my, my personal grievance is that I am continuously exhausted by people thinking that Breaking Bad was the best show. So that's, that's a separate concern. <laughs> so that's like concern A. And then concern B is that I don't... I, I have this argument with myself about whether El Camino was necessary, which I know is a very boring take. <laughs> but as I was watching it, I was like, this is fine, but I... I don't feel like it added anything to Jesse's story that I didn't already intuit happened. Like, I knew that he was tortured by Todd. I knew that the neo-Nazis were bad. So there's part of me that just kind of felt like it was well done, but it didn't do anything that I didn't expect, except for making the guy from My Righteous Gemstones even more terrifying than he already is, because that actor is great who plays the welding yeah, guy, yeah. he is but exceptional. he's also from The Mick, which is where I know him yes. more. Yeah. So it's I knew him yes. first from The Mick, where he's just like a lovable right. doofus. <laughs> and then he is low-key terrifying in Righteous Gemstones, and then legitimately very scary in this. And I also loved that Brendan Sexton III shows up for like right. five seconds. Warren! <laughs> right, Warren. <laughs> I love when Warren shows up for anything, so I loved that he's just doing cocaine in the welding office. But I mean, it it was fi- it was fine. It was fine. I I, I really appreciated that Jesse got his own story, and it wasn't just because he just got tortured at the end of Breaking Bad, and it was just misery for him until he escaped. And now we get like a, a more meaningful story for him. I really really enjoyed it, and I didn't I, I didn't enjoy it as much the first time I watched it, but then the second time I watched it, I appreciated it a lot more. So you could have been watching Supernatural. That's right. But you watched El Camino yes. twice. But I am one of those okay. breaking. Yeah, I'm taking it personally. You don't like. You should. You should. No, I don't. I, I don't dislike. I am one I of those think, people. I, I don't dislike. Really love I just think that The Wire was the best television show of all time, and I think when people say it's Breaking Bad, I think because most of Are them. Wrong. Like it for the same reason they like Fight Club, which is not oh. why you should like it. <laughs> no, 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 I don't. I, I don't have. I, not you. I know. Charming, I sweet. I Dustin. Always see, but that's not an interesting you. point because I always see. I would not pick one or the other. I, They're like equal to me. I always see all these lists okay. of best TV shows, and I always assume like if The Wire isn't in first place, it's because it's a given. It's like it's so good. It's not even. It's like off the chart. So it's like you're just ranking, like, if you put Breaking Bad at number one, it's just because, like, The Wire is still hovering secretly above it. Like, is anyone actually considering another show is better than The Wire? I think a lot of people on the internet yeah, think that Yeah, but people it's on really the internet bad. are dumb. 
I mean, people. Damn it. People. I'm people on the internet. Write, <laughs> we are all. Yeah, but look at us talking from different apartments. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, Tori, I do think that there are like a solid contingent of people who think that Breaking Bad is like. Yeah, but that's also most. probably because those are people who haven't seen The Wire. No, I think uh, I think that, but I also think that they then don't have an interest in watching The Wire. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very interesting working in Baltimore and mm-hmm. the, the the diametrically opposed feelings about The Wire because you have people who are like, "Well, I don't need to watch it because I live it," which yeah. you that's how really. I feel about Trailer Park and, Boys. <laughs> right? I'm like. Mm. Yeah. And then you also have the half of people that are like, well, I mean, I, I just think that, like, I work in the city and I don't want to, like, see that part of the city. Mm. And that's a whole other. Yeah. But you talk to those people and they're like, but Breaking Bad, though, Breaking Bad. is Oh, that's great. really annoying. Like, okay. see, see, that's super okay. annoying. Yeah, it's not great. It's not great. Um, but Dustin, I'm glad you enjoyed it. I will say that it was very nice seeing Aaron Paul again in that role. Oh my God, I Todd don't though. He's, he's, oh God. Well, Todd is. Yeah. <laughs> Todd. I feel like Jesse Plemons. The how he can be Landry, but also I know, Todd is truly so a marvel. Yeah. So do you think? Do you think that they that the uh, when they were casting Breaking Bad, they saw Friday Night Lights, but they only saw the uh, murder subplot and they said that's the guy maybe <laughs> that's or, the guy who can do this or do you think they like do you think he just put in footage from the master and they were like oh, oh that's the guy that's the guy oh, who's so gonna good. go on to have a child with Kirsten Dunst that's him yeah what was that song yeah, that he was singing was in the uh, car uh, I had it stuck in my head for like three <laughs> days and now it's gone you're going to have to rewatch. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. If you watch that for a third time. <laughs> it's probably for the best that it's not in your not in your head. I anymore, just right? really like the way that Vince Gilligan constructs stories. I think that's really what it is. He's just so okay. meticulous and he, he thinks about it. It's not, you know, I, I don't think it compares to The Wire. The Wire is the best, but Breaking Bad is the best in a different way. Is this going to be one of those arguments where you say that Breaking Bad is the best TV show and The Wire is not a TV show? No. It transcends television. No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Because I've heard that one before. I have heard that too, where it's like, well, The Wire is really like a novel set to visuals, (laughs) but Breaking Bad's really TV. I, I I do agree that I think... I think Breaking Bad has a lot more visual flourish than The Wire did, and I think they do certain... I think they present certain images to you that get, like, burned into your brain. Mm-hmm. I will I will agree with that. But ultimately, I think more of this just made me excited to see what Aaron Paul does on Westworld, yes! a show which I do not remember the second It doesn't matter. <laughs> Robots. But... Um, <laughs> but I, I am intrigued. Like, you know, I'm ready for like an Aaron Paul resurgence. Yeah. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. Yeah. And yeah. Speaking of the shows you don't remember the fi- the last season, too, Mr. Robot came back this week. Ooh, oh. excellent. Yes, thank transition. you. This is the whole Are we episode just, of just Yeah, everyone's just showing off. <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. I need this. This deserves another, another swill of this cider thing. <laughs> All right, Dustin, lead us into Mr. Robot because I haven't watched in three right. years. Well, it returned <laughs> after 22 months. And the smartest thing it did was basically, it didn't throw out the last 
four seasons or three seasons. It just three, three, three seasons. seasons. It basically just reduced everything to one storyline. It's Elliot versus White Rose, and that's it. They killed off um, Angela in like the first five minutes, and mm-hmm. they've streamlined it for the final season, which I appreciate because nobody's going to remember what happened in season three. And um, yeah, I think I. When I was watching this week, it was a little too dumbed down for a while, and I thought, oh, Sam Esmail watched, like, um, Big Bang Theory and tried to, like, figure out mm. how to do that. No, no, it, it wasn't that bad. I was just, it was just, it felt like, oh, I'm going to dumb this down a little so people can catch back up. But it was, yeah, it's good, again, I guess. And then, um, <laughs> rousing endorsement. <laughs> Thank you. But no, the second episode got a lot more interesting in the end because they introduced a uh, third altar, though we don't know who it is yet. I bet it's Christian Slater, but without glasses. Maybe. Oh. <gasps> Twist. <laughs> I didn't know that my loins could oh, be more clenching. interested, and yet here, <laughs> here we are. <laughs> I, I I just watched the premiere and I did need to reread to remember what happened because there's also part of me that f- feels there's part of me that feels like what the show was doing in the first season and even the second season and this discussion of like capital and wealth in America was really interesting and I don't yeah, know if they stick with that or if it just becomes him versus White Rose. So do they do they jettison all of that? It discussion feels like Austin? it. Like when Price said it was okay. all in that first episode when then Angela was like, What was this all about? And it was just like petty, bitter personal right. crap. And that feels like they jettisoned everything else. It's just revenge now for Angela's death. Okay. But it's... I'm not as interested in that, but okay. (laughs) It's an easy motivation to get behind and to understand. Sure. Yes, it does. It does. But do you think... Okay, this is going to sound terrible. Do you think Angela's character is worth that? Does that make sense to you? Not really, but it... I just think that he needed... Because they've been gone for two years. You just needed to like get through this final season. And I think Esmail had this third altar plan from the very beginning. And apparently if you go back and watch the whole series, you will see it. So that's kind of okay. interesting. Hmm. Okay. I might be interested in doing right. that. That almost makes me want to go back and right. watch. And maybe right. if I start watching okay. but just know that plot no, twist, yes. I'll be fine. <laughs> Well, you can start watching, and you don't even know that there's a second altar in the beginning, because Mr. Robot is just I, Christian Slater. I do think they pull that off really, really well. It's Way like, to spoil the first. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was like, was it like five years ago at this point? Yeah. <laughs> but we've also no. I think I literally saw true. the first episode and was like, oh, he's a voice. Or did they spoil <laughs> that in the first episode? Reveal it, not spoil no, it. No, they. It was no. They held it's at it to the, the end finale. of the first yeah. season. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess I only watched the yeah. first episode after the first <laughs> season. <laughs> I don't know. I do think it remains the most beautiful show on TV, though. I, I think it's exceptional it is, visually. Yes. Uh, yeah. That's because you haven't yeah. seen Nancy Drew. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> the way they do the. I almost tried to transition when she talked about loins, and then I was like, no, too soon. <laughs> 
<laughs> also would have been a stretch, but not really. Uh, no, uh, Nancy Drew. It's got the crazy CW lighting. Like every scene inexplicably is lit in like neon purple or blue or green. And it's I mean, it's you know, it's not realistic, but it's really awesome. <laughs> I really liked it. And everyone wears like very like very distinct color palettes. Um, I don't know. It's pretty. I liked it, too. Yeah, I love that yeah. show. And that's like my kind of trash. Um, there are ghosts. Well, there's murderers. Yes. There's murder. And then there's probably like what is a ghost and you think they're going to Scooby-Doo it. Um, but then the ghost really shows up at the end. But now you're wondering if the ghost and the murder are completely separate or if they're somehow combined or maybe the ghost is also is a murderer, but the ghost was definitely no, no. murdered, and maybe I hope they keep them separate. I hope they keep them separate. I also yeah. am wondering if her, I mean I think they're they're trying to, and it probably won't actually be him, but they're definitely trying to lead up to the fact that Scott Wolf somehow killed like the was the killer of the ghost, and he plays oh. Nancy Drew's dad. Yeah. So everyone, the end of the pilot. Literally every person in Nancy Drew's life has some giant secret and she doesn't yes. know it yet, but they reveal it to the audience. So you're just like, everyone's a suspect. And like her dad is a suspect <laughs> in like a 16 year old murder. Like what? So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. It was interesting because there was like a murder in the beginning of the episode and you feel like, oh, this is going to be a, a, a one episode mystery and they're going to figure out the murder in the end of the episode. But no, it's going to be like, this is the season long murder. Yeah. Well, theoretically, although I'm wondering if they're going to solve that pretty quickly, but in solving it, they will reveal you'll get more information more about murders, the old yes. the where the ghost came from, because there's like the ghost that's haunting the town of this like dead, like beauty queen. Right. So um, so that that one could that be the, the overarching season. That does sound very CW. Oh, it yeah. absolutely yeah. is. The plot, <laughs> everything about it sounds oh, very super CW. C- Yo, <laughs> Nancy Drew bangs in like the first five minutes. <laughs> it is. It is weird. It's so weird. I'm like, I'm like they're really trying to put that CW stamp on it. <laughs> like, <laughs> the, so I, oh, go ahead. I was just going to say the stamp being sexual. Yeah, sexual yeah like this, this the isn't, this ain't yeah. sure mama's Nancy Drew. <laughs> like she's like thumping bedposts. It was amazing. Yes. Um, oh, but like she's still very God. smart and very nice and just, you know, banging Ned Nickerson. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so there was one thing I, I was curious about because I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. But the um, uh, I think when we talked about uh, last week, when we talked about CW Week coming up, um, we there was, I don't know if I, I feel like Tori, you you said this, that it's, that it looked like uh, uh, Veronica Mars. So how is it is it in that vein? Does it feel like a show? Like if you were a fan of Veronica Mars, is that the kind of show that you would watch? Or um, is it- a bit. So it it looks like Riverdale, but yeah. in terms okay. of the character, Nancy Drew isn't quite as acerbic. As Veronica was like, she had that kind of very snappy dialogue, but in terms of her being sort Mm -hmm. of, and she's, they give her a, a certain amount of drama, uh, and, and trauma. Mm -hmm. Like her mom just died the year before and it threw off her college plans. It is obviously not comparable to what 
Veronica was coping with <laughs> at the beginning of Veronica Mars. Right. But it is something that kind of, um, it, it, it's a way to separate her from the version that people might have been familiar with from the novels. Um, mm-hmm. and, but she's still, she's very independent. She's someone who, you know, does the cop's job better than the cops do. She's, you know, analyzing everything. Um, I, and the actress who, like, literally has maybe two other credits on IMDb. She seems like a, a real newcomer. I thought she handled it very, very well. Uh, I don't... Yeah, I liked her a lot. Yeah. It's, it's not quite as distinctive in terms yet um, as Veronica Mars as a character, but it's certainly giving you that kind of the town has secrets, every you, motives, everyone will have motives that will be revealed and it will be who she trusts and she is the capable center of this universe. So that's pretty reminiscent. Okay, so uh, let's get into Succession Season 2. Uh, the uh, They just aired their season finale on Sunday night. Uh, they're, they've already been renewed uh, several weeks ago for a Season 3. Um, it's definitely, I, I don't know, ratings-wise, it's obviously not the kind of juggernaut that a show like Game of Thrones is, but it seems like Succession has kind of caught the the uh, it's the most discussed show, definitely, I feel yeah. like. Um, definitely of their newer shows, um, but it's, it's, it's the most uh, buzzworthy. Um, and uh, uh, Roxana, thank you for being on as our resident Succession expert. She's been covering the show every week on Pajiba. Uh, her articles are great. You should go back and read them. Um, but first, uh, generally, what are your, what's everybody's thoughts on the season? I just, wa- <laughs> I, I, I just want Roxana to jump straight to the end and tell me what you thought Logan Roy's smile was about. Okay. Uh, broadly, I think it is an excellent show about a group of people whom should all receive the guillotine. Like, they should <laughs> all be guillotined when Peter and I overthrow the government that's happening. Um, and I, so I really loved it. I, think, I, I do think it's exceptional in how it makes these extremely terrible people very relatable and acerbic and interesting, very much like Veep did. Um, what I think the Logan smile is, is I think that he is finally, I think he's happy that Kendall is finally a worthy adversary. He is not relying on Stewie and Sandy to prop up his war against the family. He is going for the jugular. He is using Greg. He has data to back it up and he's not fucking around. And I think after a full year of Logan basically abusing and blackmailing and torturing his son into being his number one minion, I do think there is a pride to seeing his son step out of his shadow. Um, And there's something obviously very, like, fucked up and terrible about that, but I think all of the relationships in succession are fucked up and terrible, aside from Roman and Jerry. Which is just, yes, adorable. It's adorable. (laughs) Like, I love love it, even though it's bizarre and... (laughs) Yeah. But you do not Tory. think that Logan orchestrated. No, I do not think Logan orchestrated. Because I think for the most part, so actually what I, and you know this because of how much like we've both kind of complained, is I very much hate shows that rely on a late season turn that wasn't telegraphed beforehand. Right. Sons of Anarchy did this all the time yeah. where they would be like, oh, everything that happened like for eight hours that you watched was <laughs> a lie. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Charlie Hunnam's hot, but our show is trash. Um, but I don't, I don't think Succession does that. I do think Succession shows you everything you need to know about these characters. So I do think Logan really expected that Kendall was going to go out there and fall on the sword. And I think he thought he had conditioned him to do that. And so I think he was very shocked by the play and impressed. And I think it's setting up a very interesting season three where you see Kendall really going for it. I think without the allies that you would expect, because I think at this point, Sandy and Stewie are out. Like, mm-hmm. I, I do not think they're going to be coming back to back this Kendall play. And the shareholder meeting is in two weeks. So I think it's going to be really interesting to see. Does season three pick up, like, immediately after? Or do we get kind of a time jump to the shareholders meeting? I, I think it opens up a lot of really interesting possibilities. And I loved Jeremy Strong's performance so much this season. In your recap, you seemed very definitive about Tom and Shiv being over I did and I was very it was very interesting to me that people thought that they weren't over but I think for all intents and purposes emotionally they're certainly over like I Mm -hmm. I don't think Shiv seems like the kind of person who would take Tom back like I keep going back to her I don't know if it was the wedding rehearsal or the actual wedding day when Nate tries to tell her like why are you marrying this dude like he sucks and she's like I'm shit fucking right like I do whatever I want so I, I would be very surprised if she actually changes for Tom and I almost think it makes it more interesting if they stay broken up because does Tom flip because the only person I could see being useful to Kendall and Greg is Tom because I think he could maybe go to them and be like, I did inherit everything from Mo Lester and I can help <laughs> you guys in your play. Um, so I, I, I really did not get the vibe that they would stay together. I think Shiv felt remorse and I think that is why she asked Logan to protect him. But I also think in asking Logan to protect him, she took herself out of the running to right, run the yes. company. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. I, I just thought that maybe the fact that Tom was being assertive in that moment. Could be a turn off. Right. <laughs> eating, eating the chicken. Right. Well, that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. also, like, yeah. you know, telling Chef how he feels about, like, he's not a hippie. He doesn't want dildos. A dildo up the yes. ass. Yeah, he doesn't want that. <laughs> Right, he doesn't want the threesome with the person taking care of Greg's benign fungus on the yacht. <laughs> Wait, is that a right. real or a fake? <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, These are all Tori real things real. that happen, Tori. Oh, Tori, you will Tori. love the show so much. <laughs> yeah. I really am looking uh, forward to it. I love assholes. Like, what I love is that I feel yeah. like, Roxana, you watch this show kind of like gnashing your teeth because everyone's horrible, whereas I'm going to mm-hmm. watch it like clapping with glee because everyone's horrible. <laughs> But they're mm-hmm. horrible assholes, but it's also like a huge indictment of capitalism, which is also like yes. super fun. Right. Yes. I also just think, and this is like personal, but I think like as someone who kind of grew up in like sort of like your own like boiler plate, high expectation, like high pressure familial environment, it is very interesting to see those sort of dynamics where like you have siblings whom you love, but you don't entirely trust. And like you have parents who say they love you, but it's all about withholding. And so I do think that show also really nails all of these like contrasting familial dynamics, like Mm -hmm. how fucked up is your family? And then how much more fucked up is your family when you're all fucking billionaires? And to Dustin's point, it is very much an indictment of capitalism, but also I think just of 
the wealth class. Yes. And I think they did a really good job with that with the Pierce family. So the Pierce and Tory are who they set up as the foil to the Roys because the Roys own like a Fox News like mm-hmm. channel and they basically just like spin right wing propaganda all day. And then they try to acquire the Pierces who have more of like a CNN approach. Mm-hmm. They think that they like helped end the Cold War like they're amazing. <laughs> and then at, and then at at dinner, um, Nan Pierce, the matriarch of this family, talks about how integrity and honor are real things, but money, first of all, that dog is um, Not a train, but we'll take it. We'll take it. Um, but Nan says that money is a false construct. And Tom, to his credit, is like, that's interesting. I went to go breakfast get breakfast this morning and I couldn't pay for my breakfast with integrity I had to pay with money um, so I think they also do a very good job showing that like once you get to this super elite status of wealth like your politics actually don't matter because you're mm-hmm. all in it to you're equally disconnected the status quo. right they were Correct. Yeah. They, the, that particular family was very much like Ellen DeGeneres yes like yes, we can just everything's like fine Ellen. if we're kind and it's like no there's still right. do- yeah like yes. these things are still real <laughs> oh, yeah Yes. You know what's cool about being kind is that we weren't to all the people we tortured yeah. and killed. So, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much my beef with the Ellen thing. Sorry to go off track. Because it's like, you're being She's really kind to George Bush. Are you also being kind to, you know, like all the millions of Iraqis and Afghans who are displaced because of eternal war? Or no, you're not kind to yeah. those people. Um, but yeah. So, yes, I loved Succession Season 2 overall. Dustin, Dan, how did you guys feel? I felt similarly. I loved it. Okay. But most of my thoughts come from you, so. <laughs> <laughs> do you watch the episode Very episode kind. before you get her recap, or do you read her recap and then catch up on the show? Typically, I do read her recap before I watch the show. Yeah. Oh, interesting. And oh. I do that with... I, do that with a hand. I did that with a handmade style as well. Yeah. I, I just I end up appreciating the episode more if I read your recaps first. I go the opposite way only because I read the recap after watching and I'm like, oh, that's so smart. <laughs> oh, <laughs> this is such a smart point that I didn't catch. Um, now I, I I love the season also. Um, this show has. I mean, I I didn't watch the first season in real time, so I uh, I caught up to it. Um, I watched kind of binge the first season in preparation for season two because I'd heard from enough people that I should watch it. Um, and I was, I'm, I'm still not entirely sure how they do it, but the, there's a, it feels like they're kind of pulling a magic trick where these people are all objectively awful, but you do still care about them in a TV way where like you, you feel bad when bad things happen to them and it's, or when, you know, the rare moments where they show emotion or where they, where they're, you know, genuinely vulnerable. Um, it's, uh, you, you do feel bad, even though, you know, if you met these people in real life, one, they wouldn't give a shit about right. you. And two, you would hate them. Um, and I think that that's, that's an impressive feat. Um, it in, really in, is uh, yeah. like Veep only there's more emotional depth to it. Mm hmm. Yeah, I think Veep gets emotional depth at the very end of the last season because I think especially with Gary, 
right. you get a certain sense of like the toll of Selena Meyer and what mm-hmm. that meant. Whereas I think Succession perfectly walks that line between comedy and tragedy where the only difference is the ending and every every episode has like a mini crisis mm-hmm. that the family has to either fight over or come together over or whatever. And it gives you a lot of opportunities for how broken are these characters? How cutthroat are these characters? How loyal are they to each other? And I think this season in particular had a lot of really strong standouts. Like I think Jerry has really come mm-hmm. into her own as a fan favorite character, like amazing, cruel, but also really like loving and motherly to Roman. Um, which is weird. So I think, which is weird, <laughs> which is weird because there's like a, like sort of a sex dynamic to their relationship. But I said this in my recap and I still think it's done really well. Like if you go back and you watch that table where everyone is like spinning blame on each other, the fact that Jerry and Roman are loyal to mm-hmm. each other, but the siblings aren't even loyal to each other. Right. Was amazing and done really well. So, yeah, my how I got into succession was that Dustin really liked it in the beginning. And I told him that it looked terrible (laughs) and that I was going to hate it. And I was like, (laughs) I hate rich white people. And Dustin was like, just go for it. (laughs) (laughs) But I do think I do think it grows on you um, because it's so well written and funny and cruel. And and on that on that note of like the the way that they kind of toe that line, um, that kind of gets me into I want to talk about favorite moments, if there are any that you have off the top of your head. Um, either from the finale or from the season in general. Uh, for me, I think there's a... Sorry, Tori, I'm going to spoil a minor <laughs> moment for you, but it's, I don't think it's a... Well, whatever. You've been yeah, listening this whole time. <laughs> yeah. You won't uh, remember any there, of this uh, anyway. That's true. Uh, a few episodes ago, um, it was uh, the episode where where uh, they're about to present at like the, the Aspen conference. Uh, or sorry, they, they've just finished that, and Shiv is kind of fucked everybody over on stage uh and when logan slaps roman um and specifically the moment after when everybody reacts and this is a thing that 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 didn't happen before up until that point it hasn't happened since but it's just it's everyone reacts in a way that like they've all dealt with this a hundred times before and um i don't know there was something really to me, that was something really powerful in the way that they played that moment, and that this is something that we had, we the audience had no idea about. Um, but like when uh, when Kendall like immediately says like you don't fucking touch him, and like you know jumps in front of uh, in front of Logan, and everyone kind of like the the entire dynamic of this of this room changes after they'd all been kind of like sniping at each other five seconds earlier, um, and I don't, it was just like the most economical kind of like perfect moment of storytelling that I was like, holy shit, how did they pull that off? I'm like, I'm so really jealous yeah, that yeah. they can do this. I, I think for me, because Shiv was the person I was rooting for, for maybe 18 episodes. And then suddenly Roman became that person like overnight. And I, and I'm not sure exactly how, and it might've been Jerry that helped, but I, I also the fact that Roman was so competent in those last couple episodes. He was like, "Oh my god, mm-hmm. he really actually knows what he's doing." Uh, yeah, I think uh, I have 
I think like three things I want to talk about because you know I can. Um, <laughs> I yes, I totally agree that the season. If we look at each season as like an arc for a character, I think the first season was Kendall, the second season was Shiv, and I think the third season could be set up to be Roman because now he's going to be chief operating officer on his own during this war with his older brother, who is the only person who we see being kind to him outside of Jerry because Shiv and Roman don't get along you know like Kendall and Roman are I think where the relationship is Mm -hmm. so I think that could be a really interesting way for season three Um, but for me the highlights of the season were just Jeremy Strong like I think Kendall Roy is up there with like Don Draper and Theon Greyjoy and Philip Jennings and being like a really yeah I think being like a really like sad sack fucked up person who has other people's blood on his hands but is desperately trying to be better and Mm -hmm. there's something about that that really appeals to me because I'm very sentimental in that sort of way Um, and I think Jeremy Strong's performance was really nuanced and very broken but his butt when he's delivering that speech (laughs) and he just has he's like yeah I'm here he's like I'm here to take the fall I'm gonna fall on my sword everybody decided it was gonna be me but like I think that Mm -hmm. was done perfectly and then just on a completely different level I really appreciated that this season had two Iranian actors Babak Tafti who played Edward and Arian Moyed who plays the very hot Stewie Mm. and they're (laughs) Iranian actors who are not playing terrorists and I Mm -hmm. always relish that like that's what I want Um, so I really I really liked that bit of casting it's interesting about Jeremy Strong because I know I've seen him in a lot of things but then now I don't see him in anything else I can't even think about where I've seen him before, it's just Kindle. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be in that terrible-looking Guy Ritchie movie, so oh, we'll he? see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what you're saying is I should watch uh, the show. I, I really think so. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I think it I will think so. change your world. Okay. <laughs> but what I will say, though, is I as much as we like, I think we obs- are obsessed with it and I think we love it summarily. It is a very online show because I was looking at viewership numbers and it's behind Righteous Gemstones, mm-hmm. which I feel like has not had the same amount of buzz necessarily. But it's just I think maybe this will be something that grows between season yeah. two and season three. Yeah. As it clearly did between yeah, season right. two and season one. Yeah. yeah. It's definitely I the one I, show more, like, I hear more people, like, we always talk about the, the shows that you get peer pressured about, like, Succession mm-hmm. is the peer pressure show. And that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Like, nine times out of ten when somebody tells me I really need to watch something, they're absolutely right, and I, I do. Um, I mean, you've got three of three people right, right now telling you that well, you should watch yeah, But, but also I mean, I like, people I like like listen to. No. <laughs> Um, oh, God. Well, it's really unlike nice. other shows, there's not noble reasons for you to watch this. It's just a really good show, but not in like, um, it's not The Wire or Breaking Bad. It's just fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's not DuckTales. Um, no. But no, it's not. It's not David Tennant voicing a doctor. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just got really distracted. <laughs> right. I know. You were like, are we no, going to talk about no, that? No, it's not though? on. Like, There's nothing. I can't, I can't do that right now. Um, no, I am looking forward to it. All right, let's get to our game. <laughs> let's do it. <laughs> uh, this week, uh, as you know, because the focus of our episode 
which is going, which has gone very long, uh, is about succession. Uh, we're going to play a game which, because uh, Roxana and Dustin and I all have watched Succession all the way through. Uh, the second season finale was just this past Sunday. Tori has never seen an episode. <laughs> Guys, I've been a little uh, busy. <laughs> <laughs> She had to watch 14 seasons of, of uh, Supernatural. And, Again. and cartoons. Again. <laughs> That's true. Uh, so the game we're going to play, which, again, I've come up with no uh, clever name, but which is probably my only job. But we're just stealing this from uh, Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. like a word play so, with Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. Only like, yeah, wait, Wait, uh, Still Don't wait, Tell wait, Me. Wait, Wait, uh, I stole this, this game from them. Um, but uh, so, Tori, here's how it's going to work. Uh, the three of us have prepared uh, a, a brief descriptions of storylines from Succession, from somewhere in the two seasons that have aired so far. Uh, one of them, uh, sorry, two of them will be real, one of them will be fake, and your goal is to try to identify which one is the is the imposter okay. story. So it's the inverse of the wait wait game. Okay. Yes, uh, it's the opposite of it's the upside down wait wait. Oh, this is gonna be game. harder. Um, uh, is it? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so so we're gonna we we talked about it beforehand. Uh, we're gonna go in the order of Dustin, Dan, and Roxana. And so Dustin, please uh, please please tell tell Tori uh, what what you what story you have from Succession. Right. Here's my story from Succession. The Roys attend a corporate retreat in Hungary, where during the first half of the day, the family's men go hunting, a term I use in a loosest sense of the word because there's very little sport involved. All the men take their place on deer stands and a pack of wild pigs are released onto a dirt road. They are easy targets for the hunters who pose for pictures with the dead pigs afterward. During the dinner that night, Logan Roy, the patriarch of the family played by Shakespearean actor Brian Cox, locks the rest of the family in a dining room, insisting that wealthy, privileged dinner party guests urinate in buckets. (laughs) While locked in the room, Logan Roy confiscates everyone's phone and demands to know the truth about who spoke to an author writing an authorized biography. To root out the rat, Logan Roy arranges a game called Bore on the Floor. Logan asks various members of the dinner party sensitive questions, and if he feels that they are lying, they are asked to arrange themselves near the fireplace. As the rest of the party chants, (laughs) Bore on the Floor, the three people suspected of being a mole are asked to root around like pigs. On the count of three, Logan Roy proclaims, the last piggy to eat a sausage is the mole. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard the other stories, but I want to say I bet that's fake because I don't think Brian Cox could possibly be playing a character named Logan. Okay. But I won't, we uh, won't fair enough. that. <laughs> also, uh, uh, I, I didn't mention this beforehand, but afterwards, please uh, speak out your process uh, as you just, like, like you just did. But Yes. Um, <laughs> Also, Dustin, well done. Thank that you. was a really um, that good. Was, yeah, that, that was, was really well prepared. Well, you know. and did you did you write that out? I did because oh, I love. Wait, Dustin. wait, don't tell me. <laughs> yeah, and also I feel I feel woefully underprepared now. Right, I was my, gonna wing it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I have I have some notes, but it's not it's not a it's not a Dustin esque. Uh, basically, Dustin just shamed us all. But anyway, <laughs> uh, here is uh, my storyline from okay. Succession. So. Uh, one of the relationships that the show's tracked over the past two seasons has been the one between uh, the the Roy's, his only daughter, Shiv Siobhan, and her uh, her boyfriend and now husband, Tom Wamskans, uh, which is a great name. Um, now, Tom, being an outsider to the family, 
uh, you know, he, he comes in and he's, uh, he, he's not used to the way that they live and, and he's often been surprised by the Roys. Uh, but one of the more, more interesting surprises that was sprung on him comes back in season one. Uh, this is after he and Siobhan have uh, gotten engaged and uh, he's informed by the family that he has to attend an orientation, uh, which is which the subject of which is the uh, is the Roy family itself because he's marrying into this family. He needs to understand their history, uh, and so he he he's forced into this. He's kind of like told you know this is uh, this is on the uh, mandatory, and he has to go into a, a conference room and sit there alone and watch. Uh, this presentation and this video about the Roy family, which goes back to Logan's upbringing in Scotland uh, and as, as a poor child all the way through the present, how he pulled himself up by his bootstraps. Uh, and it's, it's, you know, very in-depth and, uh, and, and a, a serious, you know, legitimate uh, presentation, although it, it, it does gloss over some of the family's less positive aspects. Uh, for example, you know, the Roy children are obviously all mentioned because they're part of the company, but uh, eldest son Connor is kind of they just kind of say like, and there's also Connor because you know he's not he's not part of the company officially. So um, that's that's okay. what I have. So, so we Very have well. all right Tom's orientation lesson. We have Tom's orientation, and we have uh, uh, the hunting party in okay. Scotland and Roxana. Yes. So my story also involves Tom. <laughs> a nice a nice boy from the Midwest who somehow made his way to New York City and a job at the Roy family company Waystar Royco and Tom sort of stumbles upward into success and aside his relationship with Shiv he also has a relationship with a member of the Roy family Greg who is a cousin. He's not part of the main sibling circle. And Greg, to put it bluntly, is kind of like a bumbling, naive, very out-of-his-depth kid who just got <laughs> gifted a job because of nepotism. <laughs> and so Greg becomes Tom's executive assistant. And there's a lot of tension throughout the show with Tom's full acceptance of this awful nouveau riche lifestyle that he has been given gifted through his relationship with Shiv and through an escalating series of high-level jobs. And Greg, who also is benefiting from this nepotism, but at least like has the sense to be a little ashamed of it. And what you see from both of them is that they're both outsiders and they both don't really know what they're doing, but they're faking it until they make it because they are, in fact, white men with full heads right. of hair. So what you see is... Greg reporting to a meeting that Tom has called him to in his office. And when he gets into his office, Tom is using another person as a piece of furniture. And Greg learns that it's something that Tom does regularly as a way to encourage his workers who aren't doing so well. So he might call them in to be his desk for the day or his chair or his table. And it's something that terrifies Greg, but doesn't terrify him enough to quit because he needs that sweet, sweet Waystar Royco money. Okay. So we've got human furniture. That was very good. Human, fun human mm-hmm. furniture. Wow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay, this is really tough. So I'm going to go out on... Uh, so Dan's story 
uh, Tom's orientation just sounds like something, obviously, that would happen in the show and in real life. It's just that's (laughs) basic PR when you, you know, if you've got a a family like that. Um, I feel like Dustin's story, despite claiming that Brian Cox could conceivably play any person named Logan, um, (laughs) is probably true just because, I mean, you're in buckets. Um, So I'm going to say... Roxana's story is false because it's it like she she had me until the human furniture and I feel like that is it was it was so subtly uh, outlandish because it was it was just such a nice normal story like yeah I get it like these two characters one's new to the family but he's taking to the lifestyle and the other one is in the family but like the vestigial tale of the family and like. And then, you know, and then suddenly somebody's sitting on a person and I'm like, nah, I, I feel like I, even even the Redstones couldn't do that. So I don't know. I'm going to say Roxana's story is the fake one. OK, so uh, so you're saying that Roxana's story about human furniture. Is right. The because fake. I absolutely believe okay. that succession involves wild boar chases and urine and orientation. <laughs> and if it doesn't, if any of you people tell me the other two, sto- one of those other two stories were fake, I refuse to ever watch succession. <gasps> well, I think you're going to change your mind. <laughs> All right. So, so first, uh, let's go through first, Dustin, uh, your story, uh, was that real or was that fake? That was a real succession plotline. Boar on the floor. Mm-hmm. Yay. Yeah, that was that's true. Who uh, lies about right, urine so, buckets? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and his name is Logan, yes, by the way. Uh, that that part of it is true. It fits in the context true. of the show for some reason. Yeah. Uh, so let's go to Roxana's. Roxana, is your story true or false? Um, it is one hundred percent true in the context of Are succession. That's no, a real thing that no. happened. Not not yeah. only is it a real thing that happens and you walk into Tom's office and see him using just like a poor lowly minion <laughs> as furniture <laughs> when they are called before Congress and the Bernie and the Bernie Sanders stand in <laughs> character. Bernie Sanders is like, I have all these emails where you talk about using her human furniture. Are you not ashamed? <laughs> and Tom Wamsans is like, I don't know what furniture is. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I'm just full I denial. Know. I don't know what furniture yeah. is. <laughs> yeah. It's 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 a whole ass mess. And what's terrifying about that story is like a lot of the stories that seem very absurd in succession are actually things that have happened in the circles of the uber rich mm-hmm. that then you find out about afterward because writer Jesse Armstrong will be like, oh, yeah, that happened at like an Enron board yeah. meeting in 2012. So I'm waiting for the human furniture to leak. You think Born on the Floor happened at Enron? I could 100% yeah. see Boar on the Floor Definitely. happening at, like, yeah. BP last week. Like, they're motivated by Boar on the Floor. Now they're going to do it. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, this is a good idea. Yeah. We should <laughs> right. do that at our next retreat. Right. Uh, uh, so, Tori, uh, obviously that means my story was actually the fake. Um, but you're not you're not off in that, like, there, there, there were elements that are similar. Um, there is an orientation thing that... Uh, I kind of borrowed a couple of elements from, um, but this story actually I found uh, it, it's it's a story about the Sulzbergers who published the New York Times, 
they actually do this for people who marry yeah. into their family. Um, and uh, so, yeah, it's definitely very real and very, like, within this world of uber-rich, uh, you know, It just maybe doesn't make who, great television. <laughs> it, just, it just didn't happen to show up on, on Yeah, it needed yet. more urine. Um, all right, let's get into the rant. Oh. Uh, so... <sighs> So, Roxana, do you have a rant that you'd like to... That, I, I don't know if you, you've listened, but it, just to listened. go over it. 60 seconds, or you can go Tell over it. Tell Dustin really, to you know. do it. Don't yeah, do it. Yeah, but if you want to make someone else rant, you can do that. Or if you have something that you'd like to get off your chest, that's also fine. Uh, it's up to you, because you won the game. Um, I don't know. I mean, I think I ranted a lot, so I almost <laughs> feel like it should go to... Dustin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. So that's wise a wise choice. <laughs> you yeah, know what? I'm gonna. I don't. I don't have TV. I just want to rant about Joker. Honestly. Please. Oh God, this is giving me life. <laughs> I mean, you yes. can definitely go ahead and do that. I mean, yes, I'm ready. <laughs> what? A Start terrible the fucking movie. <laughs> I mean, for the. I mean, the first half of it is just boring. It's just so completely horribly boring. I actually very boring. I fell asleep. <laughs> And then I woke up. <laughs> I don't know. Frances Conroy, she uh, dies. I see her die, but I don't know how she ended up in the hospital because I slept through that part. <laughs> but when I woke up and then he becomes like this. I mean, are we rooting for that? I mean, do people understand that the Joker is a villain? Like he's you know, a bad guy, right? Well, wait, didn't they say that like he's not, he might be the inspiration for the villain that we know oh as the Joker. God. So he's not actually, he might not <laughs> even be the Joker. What? Like all of this could be completely pointless. He definitely has a vendetta against the Wayne family and he leads an uprising and wears a clown mask. But like he's not yeah. the Joker guy. <laughs> he's just called <laughs> Joker. <laughs> Come on. If he was the Joker. Joker, they would have called it the Joker. He's got like what I will th- like a minion, like these MRA minions, like fall I it, it I mean, why would anyone celebrate this movie or this character or anything about it? Aside from the fact that it was just really horribly done. I think what's interesting about this is, like, I do think it raises the discussion, and we talk about this all the time, right, is it's, like, you don't want to necessarily just see media about good people. Like, sure. that's not interesting. That's why we, none of us would be watching Succession if that were the case. Yes. But there is a way to make a reprehensible character really interesting, and then you have Joker. <laughs> like, they're not, they're not the same. They're not the same thing. Like, it is phenomenal how good gutless this movie is in making you think oh maybe joker's a bad guy like he only kills people who are mean to him he's mentally ill like there's nothing that this movie does that cements that this person is a villain Um, so as is the theme of tonight's episode i haven't seen joker but i'm (laughs) good good but i'm getting the sense that this is not one i'm gonna be peer pressured about (laughs) like you guys are telling me to go watch it so my question is and i have read all the articles um and i'm still just like completely not clear are they trying i know i know he's not necessarily a hero in the sense that like obviously he's killing people but well, do he's they definitely an anti-hero but in this. Is he a real anti-hero where like you're supposed to be sympathetic but you know that he's doing bad things or are they actually trying to to make him do bad things that are completely justified? Cuz I do think that there's a difference. My, 
my personal feeling, and Dustin, you can jump in. Sorry, I just I jumped. No, no, in. Go ahead. Um, my my personal feeling is that it's the latter because he only is violent. For, so first of all, everyone is terrible right. to him, and he is only terrible back to everyone we see being terrible to him. The movie opens with a group of children of color who look to be like black and Latin American chasing him down and beating the shit out of him for Mm. no reason. And so it like, it opens with this bit of random violence and then continues along that line. So at least on my end in my theater, people cheered when he killed people, Mm. including his mother and Robert De Niro. So it's one of those things where it's like, I don't necessarily know if it's like dangerous. I don't want to make that call. It's still bad storytelling. It's still bad storytelling, and I think it's really cheap storytelling in giving this backstory to Joker, because people are already sympathetic to Joker. He's a great villain. Like, people love that character. So then you're assigning all these other motivations to a character that people are already sympathetic toward. Yeah, people people and, like yeah. the Joker because he is incredibly charismatic while being completely evil. So it feels yeah. like the, the Joker as a movie just inverted that, like took away the charisma and tried to like explain away all of his behavior or justify it. Turned the Joker yes. into Bernie Getz, which was like so fucked up. Uh, yeah. I mean, they give him an abusive mom. They give him people being mean to him. They give him a dad who might have abandoned him. They exclude him from the familial weapon. I mean, every every indicator of like a very stereotypical like i'm a white man ignored by society is in there like there's nothing interesting about that story no there's nothing unique about that yeah um but you know people love it it's made like 200 million dollars and the fact that get it. they make him like the champion of this yes it, it was so infuriating oh, oh. but i do yeah. think it's really smart also, that they turned around and announced zoe kravitz as catwoman so it's like all the people who have just been like pissed off about the Joker, they're now like. But it's only okay, interesting if Catwoman comes and kills Joker immediately. <laughs> well, but what's also interesting is that they kept playing this game of like, well, this isn't connected to Robert Pattinson's Batman, but it one hundred percent could yeah. be because Batman, Batman and Joker in a lot of the tellings have like a twenty-year yeah. age difference, which is exactly what they have yeah. here. So it very well could be an introduction to Robert Pattinson's Batman, you know. So so yeah, it's just it's one it's all of it's all of the terrible things about this genre of storytelling wrought large. So yeah. Well, Dustin, when I saw it, the guy next to me farted the whole time. Oh my God. So <laughs> I just want to say in terms of like audiences where you're just like you just want to scream because because they're applauding for all the wrong, wrong reasons. Um, when I went to see Rambo Last Blood, Ugh. I was just like angry the entire movie. And, I, and you get to like the last act and people in my theater... Granted, it was not full, but still, everyone who did show up for this stupid fucking movie, they were all cheering, like, yay, Rambo, you know? And I'm like, he's just (laughs) killing Mexicans for no reason. Like, this is so awkward. Maybe don't cheer for this. Um, Tori, the reason is because they're Mexican. Yeah, that was the reason. Yeah, I mean, I saw Sicario 2 and Peppermint in the theaters, both because of lovely, <laughs> lovely movie assignments. And that was very much that same vibe. I think, you know, those are very intentionally made films 
to garner audience support of a racist agenda. So good job. Yeah, when I saw Joker, it was nothing but uh, it was like 20 white guys in T-shirts and caps. So they all looked like me and I hated them. (laughs) Yeah. And that's 60 seconds. <laughs> so 60 seconds that had nothing to the, do with television. That's the rant. No, it's <gasps> about uh, you, you got to rant. You got to right. get it off of your chest. Um, uh, that's, that's all we have for the show. Uh, that's all we need. That's all more than That's enough. all we need. This has been a, this has been a good show. So uh, much. Roxana, thank you so much Yay, for joining us. Thank you. Uh, we hope you'll thank be you here again for having me. Yeah, in the future. Absolutely. absolutely. Uh, this is Dark, dark Materials. Yeah. yeah, oh my God. Dustin, very <laughs> tempted to call out sick. I got four episodes today. Doing? Very tempted to call out sick tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. Uh, come back next week. Uh, join us again. We'll have more talk about TV. Watchmen next you know, week. Um, yes. Watchmen is out on Sunday. Living with yourself on Netflix with Booyah. two Paul Rudds. Paul's Paul, Rudd. The Paul's Rudd. Yeah, there you go. The Paul's Rudd. Uh, and uh, you should also, you know, if you want to, if you're on Twitter, reach out and, and talk to people here. Is that, I, I, we forgot to do this last week and I'm trying to make it yeah. more of a thing. Um, so uh, everyone, uh, my, my, I met at Dan Hamamura. It's, uh, Dan spelled normally in an H A M A M U R A. I'm Tori. at Torionic, T O R I O N I C, probably. I don't know. I've had a couple glasses of wine. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I am at Roxana, R-O-X-A-N-A underscore Hadadi, H-A-D-A-D-I. There is another woman who has a very similar name to me, but I think she's like an astrophysicist, <laughs> so don't bother. <laughs> <laughs> and I, she's like doing real ass work. So. <laughs> and I am Dustin at Pajiba. You can spell that anyway. You, you mean like you're, it's just at Pajiba? Yeah, at Pajiba, your yes. Twitter handle, yeah. <laughs> Uh, all right, uh, that's our show. Thanks so much, everybody. Uh, I wonder if I should split this into two, or if I should just not say that now because this is still technically the ending. But I've already recorded it, so it's too late. Too late. Mega upload. Um, just mega upload. Uh, just mega dump upload. It. Just yeah. one long. <laughs> Let's split it into three. Yeah. It's gonna be a long episode. Oh, three, <laughs> three. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Thanks so much. Uh, come back next Bye. week. Bye, everybody. Bye.